Hello, fellow podcast listeners. You know, I had a thought today. I often wonder when we get older as a society, how we're going to look back at the year 2022, especially with the markets. And I'm curious to know as a society, what we're going to be able to tell the next generation of kids about what was going on during the time. But these are just some current thoughts that I currently had because reading to some of these articles, uh, Give me, just maybe pause for a moment to think about where society is pretty much going at this point. So with that being said, guys, today we're going to be a first, we're going to be talking about how hedge funds have been hit in 2022 so far and how they are handling the situation currently. Intel is on a two week hiring freeze and we're going to be able to talk a little bit about the chip bill that apparently is stalled in Congress currently right now. We're then going to be talking about how Kramer, who has been on the news recently, is talking a little bit more about how the market is worried that oil's rise may cause a recession in the making. And finally, we're going to be talking about how mortgage demand falls to its lowest level in 22 years and how it could potentially be related to about why many families can't afford to raise their children. With that being said, guys, as I always say before I start every podcast, I have to remind you that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Some point, some parts of this podcast, I am expressing my opinion at times, and that, that is my opinion. And I'm also reading news articles too. You need to be able to talk to your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions, as I cannot personally give you financial advice. And your personal financial advisor actually knows your situation a lot better than someone like me who's currently doing a podcast. With that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast. Hedge funds struggle in May amid recession fears. From Rudders, New York, hedge funds post negative performance in May, uh, accentuating their losses this year to almost 3% as investors poised for a potential recession. A report by hedge fund data provided HFR showed on Tuesday. The fund weighed compos- composition index was down 0.58% in May amid volatility in equities, bonds, and commodities. HFR said with all funds categories in the negative territory, still 40% of hedge funds compiled post gains. Equity hedge funds post a loss of 8% in the first five months of the year, the worst performance among hedge funds categories monitored by HFR. Still, they, they outperformed the S&P 500, which was down by 12.76%. Hedge funds that invested in growth-oriented sectors such as technology and healthcare have struggled this year. Tiger Global, one of the industry's biggest firms, lost 14% in May, leaving it down 52% of the year, for instance. Quote, hedge funds outperformance of U.S. equities continued in and throughout the extreme financial market volatility in May. With managers navigating not only on the continuation of Russia and Ukraine war, record energy price increases, generalization inflation, and increasing interest rates, but with the additional factor of increased likelihood of a consumer-led U.S. economy recession, stated Keith Haynes, president of HFR. Macro hedge funds, which bet on macroeconomics trends, gained 9.32% in the same period, despite a loss of 0.31% in May. Performances among hedge funds have been quite divergent this year. Now, it's been reported recently that the hedge fund that was betting against GameStop recently just went out of business, or at least I think filed for bankruptcy, if I'm not mistaken. But at the same time, it's interesting that to know that these hedge funds are struggling because a lot of them do invest in technology stocks and technology has been hammered hard this year. It makes me wonder if going forward, if hedge funds are going to change their strategy or if they're going to stick to what they know being able to make money off high growth companies. It's something to still keep an eye out for as hedge funds are sometimes the bane of the existence on Wall Street. A lot of people do not like hedge funds. And so, I mean, 
it's good to see that they're feeling a little bit of pain. Good to know that right now. On to the next article. Intel freezes hiring and PC chip division for the for at least two weeks. Now, this is kind of a big deal because we recently spoke about how you how later on, well, at least we'll talk about it in a second, but how a few weeks back we were talking about how Congress was trying to pass a bill to make chips in the United States. But this is interesting how Intel's having this issue now. From Rudders, Intel Corp has frozen hiring its division responsible for PC desktop and laptop chips, according to a memo reviewed by Rudders as part of the series of cost-cutting measures. Intel is pausing all hiring and placing all job requisitions on hold in its client computing group, according to the memo sent on Wednesday. The memo said that some hiring could resume in a little as two weeks after the division reevaluates priorities and all the current job offers in its system will be honored. Quote, we believe that, uh, sorry, quote, we believe we are at the beginning of, of a long-term cycle across the semiconductor industry and we have the right strategy in place. Intel said in a statement, increased focus and prioritization is our spending will help us weather mac- macroeconomic uncertainty executive on our strategy and meet our commitments to customers, shareholders, and employees. Intel shares are down 28% over the past year, and the company has told investors to brace for lower gross margins than it has historically earned as it spends heavily to catch up as rivals like Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, whose manufacturing technology has overtaken Intel's. The company's client computing group is the largest by sales, generating $9.3 billion of its $18.4 billion in revenue in the most recent quarter. Once dominant Intel's desktop and laptop chips face increased competition from advanced micro devices and the division lost Apple Inc. as a customer after Apple started its own custom design chips. The memo sent Wednesday also outlined other cost-cutting measures such, such as canceling some travel for some group, immediately limiting participation in industry conferences and instructions to hold group meetings virtually when possible. The hiring freeze does not appear to affect all of Intel. In a memo sent to employees on Tuesday, Chief Executive Pat Glensinger said the company would slow its hiring and would onboard 23,000 recent hired employees over the next 90 days. Intel has 121,000 employees at the end of 2021. Now, we spoke about how there was this shift in the tech industry recently. And even Microsoft is being a little bit more hesitant to hire people. But maybe there's something bigger going on right now. Maybe Intel's trying, and, and this is just my opinion, maybe Intel's trying to get ready to go to Congress and be able to convince Congress to pass a bill to build chips within the United States. And flat, In fact, even Bloomberg is reporting this a little bit. It says here from Bloomberg, Bloomberg, Biden's 52 billion chips plan stuck. Lawmakers eye election. Okay. Long stalled legislation to boost U.S. semiconductor manufacturer and strength competitiveness against China risk collapsing in Congress, with Republicans growing skeptical of the measure as midterm elections near the Democrats focusing instead on gun violence. The bill has been top priority for Joe Biden's administration, particularly uh, Commerce Secretary Gina uh, Raimondo, but some lawmakers fault the White House for not being more engaged, and time is running short for Congress to act on it before lawmakers depart for the summer recess and then the campaign trail, which many issued unresolved according to people familiar with negotiations. Republicans who have worked with the administration on the measure are now balking and giving Biden a win ahead of the November election. With their party posed for big gains in Congress, people, the people said, and said they aim to write their own China bill after taking control of the House, Senate, or both. Meanwhile, a push by Senate Democrats to reach a consensus on gun 
safety legislation after a string of mass shootings, including a massacre of Texas elementary school last month, has sidelined other work, including the CHIPS bill. Quote, there needs to be a greater sense of urgency, said Senator Mark Warner, a Virginia Democrat who is one of the authors of the CHIPS legislation. I worry that there are some of us that this is our top priority, but it feels for too many that this is their second. The legislation would provide billions of dollars to boost research and development, which an eye towards creating new technologies to help the U.S. stay ahead of rising China. A key portion of the bill would approve $52 billion in domestic semiconductor manufacturing. Supporters say that without passage, the U.S. will fall further behind other countries in making the components of everything from fighter jets to vacuum cleaners, putting it in the mercy of overseas supply chains. Frustration with the Biden administration looms over on the Capitol Hill and among business lobbyists who have pushed for measures push for the measure, senators and other people close to negotiations said the White House has not pressed hard enough on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Democrats in her chamber to finish the legislation. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, a Democrat who faces a tough re-election contest, said he'd like the White House to get more involved, especially in the House. Republican supporters of the bill, too, have been puzzled by the White House strategy, saying Biden's team hasn't pushed House Democrats more focused forcefully and let months go by without throwing their weight behind what was supposed to be a top priority. Yeah, let's be honest, they don't care. The only thing right now that they're caring about talking about is pretty much gun bills. And we're not going to go into details in that right now because this podcast is about the market. Well, we should have seen this coming in reality. Okay. It was such a big deal when it was first came out that the news that they're looking to pass this chips bill. And I was pretty excited about it. I mean, it would have been nice to see the United States be able to make its own chips within the United States. Like I had mentioned, I had to buy a car a car part for my car and there was only like three, I think it was, in the entire country and they had to ship it in from Kansas in order for me to get the chip from my car. It's quite ridiculous, but they, they don't care. They, the only thing the people in Congress care about is these gun bills currently instead of trying to provide potential jobs within the United States. I mean, over 80% of chips made are in the Asia area and a lot of them comes from Taiwan. Priorities aren't straight right now. It's ridiculous. Continuing on the must-haves. Anyone who's been around here for a while know that politicians can screw up perspectives of good legislation passing, especially in a political year. Senator Todd Young, an Indiana Republican and one of the bill sponsors, said in an interview, it just needs to remain a priority. Raimondo has said in an interview that she's engaged consistently with Pelosi and that she and the House Democrats are very cleared eye on how it's going to all come together. Yeah, it's not going to come together. That they're, they're fluffing this up right now, at least in my opinion. They understand that an agreement requires 60 votes in the Senate. The president, we, the administration, have asked them to prioritize the absolute must-haves and be particular here, Raimundo has said. Administrative officials concede that any legislation that eventually passes both chambers is likely to be little change from the Senate version of the bill that won bipartisan support in June of 2021. The officials believe that private sector could do much more to maintain lawmakers focused on the bill and especially to proud Republicans to vote for it. Semiconductor companies have been vocal in asking lawmakers to advance legislation, but companies that consume chips such as medical devices and consumer electronic, electronic makers have been much more muted people close to the talk say. Now, maybe this is why... One reason why, because it says here too, one official said to appear as if business community is trying to run the, out the clock so Congress won't have time left for a budget recalculation package, which would increase corporate taxes. Maybe one reason why Intel's having a hiring freeze is that they're probably going to try to figure out potentially how to get this bill to pass. Maybe they want this bill to pass, or maybe they don't care at the end of the day. 
it's hard to really say, but it's just interesting that this bill is now on the, on, it's pretty much frozen because all the people in Washington who are Democrat want to talk about gun safety and gun bills. And it sounds like Republicans do want to get something going, but in the, at, at the end of the day, it just seems like it's just at a dead stop. And it's quite sad if you think about it. So Intel, I would personally send someone to Washington to get lawmakers to refocus if you really want this bill to pass. And maybe that's why you're having a hiring freeze. Who knows? Or maybe you're having a hiring freeze because you see a recession coming. Don't know. Only Intel knows currently. Next article from Mad Money. Jim Cramer. Yes, this is the third time we've talked about Jim Cramer this week, but it needs to be talked about. From Mad Money. The market is worried that oil's continued rise may cause a recession, Cramer says. CNBC Jim Cramer broke down on why oil skyrocketing price has Wall Street worried about a recession, pointing to the fall in oil stocks on Wednesday, even as crude hit record levels. Quote, as long as oil prices keep climbing, it's hard to make the case for a soft landing. Oil is a nightmare for the Fed. It reverberates through the whole economy, and there seems to be no stopping it, the Mad Money host said. Every time crude goes up, so does the odds of recession, he added. Oil prices reached a 13-week high on Wednesday, while energy names in the S&P 500 record a slight gain. Only a handful of stocks were positive. I do not believe the situation... I, sorry, I do not believe in the stagflation thesis, Kramer said, referring to when the economy undergoes a slowdown while inflation and unemployment run high. Ideally, we can wiggle our through. Uh, sorry, wait, ideally we can wiggle our way out of the energy inflation with more supply from the American producers. Yeah, it's kind of hard, like chips right now when they can't make chips within their own country. So, tie in with Intel from earlier. Kramer said that if prices continue to climb, that they're at least, uh, sorry, that they could lead to a demand destruction, which could in turn could lead to a recession as consumers pull back on overall spending, which means trouble for the economy and policymakers. Quote, even if we don't get a lot of lot more supply, the price of, price of oil will eventually come down simply from demand destruction. But if that's done that way, we could be in a miserable, long, hot summer, he added. Yeah, Jim, right now, oil is too... There's so much demand for oil right now. Okay, think about it. We shut down the economy for at least all, almost all of 2020, parts of 2021 and 2022. People want to travel now. People want to be out and about. Okay, they do. They don't want to be sitting at home anymore. They want to be doing things. Okay, oil is going to keep being high demand. It doesn't help either that we're not currently drilling within our own country. Okay. We, we've talked about this. Chevron says they will probably make an, never make another oil refinery within the United States because the cost is too great to make it. They would never profit from making another oil refinery again. That could be an issue going forward. Joe Biden's going to meet with potentially delegates from Saudi Arabia. I think it was Saudi Arabia. It was one of those Middle Eastern countries. And he's also planning to meet with OPEC Plus, which there's a chance that Russia could be there too. So right now, it seems like oil is going to be imported from overseas. And currently right now, we are having, I want to say, just issue upon issue currently right now. It's hard to say. But it just seems like things aren't going well in general. And Jim Cramer is like, oh, well, the Fed hates oil. Of course they do. Because it means they have to raise interest rates because I'm not an expert in that area of the Fed, but 
I do know that I can see currently right now that there's just a huge demand for oil and prices just keep going up. And if oil keeps going up, then yeah, I could potentially see a recession or maybe we're already in it and people are just not willing to admit it. So next article, mortgage demand falls to the lowest level in 22 years amid rising rates and slow home sales. Okay. From CNBC, mortgage rates are back on the upswing after a brief decline in May. And the housing market is still suffering from a lack of listings. As a result, mortgage demand continues to drop. Total mortgage applications volume fell 6.5% last week compared with the previous week. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association, seasonal adjusted index demand hit the lowest level in 22 years. The average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed rate mortgages with confronting loan balances of 647200 or less increased to 5.40% from 5.33%, with points rising to 0.60 from 0.51, including originated fee for loans with a 20% down payment. Refinance demand, with, which is the most sensitive to weekly rate moves, fell another 6% for the week, and it was 75% lower than the same week one year ago. The vast majority of mortgage holders now have the rate considerably lower than the current one. And, and even those who who would like to pull cash out of their homes are choosing second mortgage, mortgages rather than refinancing their first lens. Okay. Last quote we'll read. While rates are still lower than that they were for weeks, four weeks ago, they remained high enough to still suppress refinance activity. Only government refinances saw a slight increase last week, said Joel Kahn, an MBA economicist. So could it also be that the demand's not as high right now because maybe people can't afford it? I mean, food for thought. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, oil prices are climbing. We've, I believe we've read somewhere, or at least I've talked about it, whether it was a meme or something that was read that you, people are paying 800 more dollars a year on gas and on food and groceries in general and energy for being able to live comfortable at home. And not only that too, they're also reporting from CNBC that, and maybe it's because raising kids is not as, as pretty expensive as well. From CNBC, raising a middle-class child will likely cost almost 286000 according to USDA data. Okay. One of the things I think a lot of people tend to forget is that raising a kid does take a lot of money. It does. Because kids aren't cheap. Okay. From CNBC, it's saying raising a child is expensive in the United States and families are feeling the pressure. More than 12.5 million of children in the U.S. live in poverty. Even middle-class families are increasingly struggling to pay for everyday expenses. The U.S. Department of Agriculture published a report using, 200, sorry, using 2015 data that estimates expenses of child-rearing from birth through the age of 17th in a middle-income family of two adults and two children is $233,610. With inflation, that translates to almost 286000 in 2022. But adjusting for inflation may not be enough. Child care costs have actually outpaced inflation. In 2020, child care expenses rose 5.03% year over year, compared to the annual inflation rate of just 1.2% at the time. Quote, the fact that infant to daycare in many places across the country could be significantly more expensive than an in-state public tuition to send them to college, said Elsie Goud, senior economics economicus at Economic Policy Institution. 
The United States has been very reluctant, very conservative when it comes to these kind of family policies, said Sean Fredstad, senior fellow at the Center of Economic and Policy Research. Quote, one of the issues with child care is that the U.S. is that the patchwork system, said Laura Bauer, an economic studies follow at Brookings Institute. We have programs that fully subsidize for eligible children. We have tax credits that subsidize a portion of child care costs for higher income families. We have block grants to states to help them expand access. The problem with all of these systems is that with the multitude of approaches, we're not getting closer to universality or affordability. Okay. My personal opinion, if you want to think, make things more, I guess, affordable, then we need to dry up the money supply. We need to dry it up fast. Okay. We do. If inflation keeps raising at the pace that it's going, there's no way you're going to be able to afford raising kids. It would not surprise me within the next few years if raising a kid is going to be potentially within, I'd say, my bet would be within the next 10 years, maybe sooner, depending on how bad inflation is getting. I think it's going to cost half a million dollars to raise a kid. And that's not counting school. Okay. We had school on top and that it's going to be pretty much, pretty much up there, close to a million dollars. Okay. We, we as a country have to consider that, I mean, mortgage rates are down first time in 22 years. People can't afford it. Potentially. Like I said, this is my opinion. Gas prices are on the rise. Food prices are on the rise at grocery stores and raising kids are getting more expensive. How much longer are we going to keep this going, people? In all seriousness, though, how long will we keep this going? Something the Federal Reserve has to consider doing. Got to start drying up the money supply. Got to stop printing. Which might actually cause the U.S. economy to pretty much go into a new depression if that were to happen, maybe. Because right now we're just spending our way out of every situation, just kicking the can, can further down the road. I imagine right now that we keep kicking the can down the road and we're hitting the wall now. The wall where like if you're if you're walking down an alleyway and you're just kicking the can because you're like, oh, we'll deal with this later to throw it in the trash, to, at least the can. We're probably hitting the wall soon. Or maybe the can is hitting the wall. And we're just feeling it now. It's hard to tell. We need to drop the money supply, though. I think that would help with a lot of things. Might potentially drive prices down as well. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just some podcaster who's just expressing his opinion currently. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast and so that and be able to share it with friends or family as every like and subscription and every person that gets to hear this podcast can help grow our podcast so that we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the market that Wall Street's not willing to talk about at times. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.